Welcome to the Lemon Spark Podcast, where we share stories about lemons that spark a new direction in life. I'm your host, Barbara Zabala. Well, welcome, Rachel Druckenmiller, to the Lemon Spark Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Everyone, I'd love for you to meet Rachel. I met her several years ago through the wellness community, and we were attending a conference, and we crossed paths, and we've crossed paths several times since, and she's always a delight. But her more formal bio is that she's been recognized as the number one health promotion professional in the U.S. in 2015. She's also been uh, recognized as 40 under 40 game changer in 2019 and is one of the daily records leading women of 2020. She's a national thought leader in the field of well-being and employee engagement. And if you're interested in connecting with her, which I'm sure you will be after listening to her talk today, you can search her on LinkedIn and on her website, unmutedlife.com. That's her current business, Unmuted. And Rachel, welcome to the podcast. And what do you have to say to our intended audience who are people who are experiencing life's lemons right now and they're looking for some hope and inspiration? Well, I'd say I think for a lot of people, first of all, it's, it's great to be here. And I'm so glad we did connect six years ago at that conference. But I think 2020 for a lot of people, like the entire year felt like a lemon. <laughs> yes. And I've had an episode on that already on COVID in 2020. So like, yeah, so go back everyone and and check that out if if you haven't already. Um, But I'd say for me, you know, a couple lemons happened. One was certainly with COVID hitting and being a full-time speaker and facilitator. A hundred percent of my work was in-person speaking engagements as of March, you know, 15th of 2020. And then overnight, essentially, I had to shift an entire business model to be hundred percent virtual and, uh, started to get some momentum around that, even though it was really scary because I was only seven months into my business and most people don't intend to have to reinvent their business seven months after they started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> challenge. <laughs> it's a bit of a challenge. So I did that. And then, um, six weeks later I was out running with my husband and there was a pickup truck that took a right-hand turn on red and, wasn't honoring the crosswalk signals and hit me. And I ended up at the trauma room at a nearby hospital with a compression fracture in my lower back and a a lot of pain and was in a back brace for, for two months and no, no bending, lifting or twisting for about four months, which you don't realize how much you do those things until can't, <laughs> but you know, lots of physical therapy, lots of doctor's appointments and MRIs and x-rays and, uh, CT scans and, and, uh, psychotherapy. I mean, just a, a year of healing, frankly. And I remember in terms of the lemon, the lemon was just like that experience as a whole, like that I was, I was upset that it was happening certainly. And, and was, was very much grieving in the midst of it. And in the months that followed, but I do remember the day that it happened, I was lying in the hospital bed in the trauma room with all these blinking lights everywhere. And my husband couldn't be with me because of COVID. And I didn't have my cell phone because we don't run with our phones. And so I felt very alone, but I also had this sense of there's something here. There's going to be something here about rising up when we get knocked down and I'm going to use this and I'm going to do something with it. And I was also scared and sad and angry and in pain. And so it's not like I just ignored the fact that this awful thing had happened and I was Pollyanna positivity, you know, <laughs> like ing it away. But I did have this moment of thinking this is, I'm going to use, 
I'm going to do something with this. And so now, you know, fast forward almost at this point, like a year later, I do a keynote called I'm still standing, rising up with resilience when life knocks you down and sing to people and, and share the journey and share these insights around what we can do in terms of shifting our perspective and choosing to find meaning in the midst of our grief. And I think that really served me in the past year. And it's really served all the different thousands of people that I'd have the opportunity to reach, uh, you know, virtually over the past year to be able to give them a much needed message that I, I don't think they were necessarily getting many other places. Yeah. You had mentioned that because of the accident and your experience with physically being knocked down, that when you give your talk on resilience, which had been something you were talking about even before the accident, but it now you say seems to come across much more meaningfully, much more authentic, and that you can tell from your audience too, that they seem to appreciate the fact that you're, you're coming at it from personal experience. Yeah. It lends, it lends to your credibility. And the other thing I think that's been helpful is I, I I say, you know, you may not have been hit by a truck, but you've had your own version of Mm -hmm. having your entire life, like knocked on its butt basically, and have things flipped upside down. And so I don't, I don't think that the, you know, comparative suffering game is fun. What my dad refers to as the pain Olympics, like mm. that people did a lot of that last year. Like, well, my situation is no. not as bad or, or gosh, they have it so much worse. I mean, I had people try to empathize with me. This is like, here's a note to sell for anyone listening to not do this. I had people say things to me, reach out. Well, I know somebody who was on her bike and was hit by a, a car and she had to have all these rods and surgeries and she's barely walking. I'm like, help me understand how this is beneficial for me to hear that, you know, at least you didn't need surgery. Uh, would you like to switch places? Would you like to go ahead and have a fractured back right now? I don't think so. So don't play the comparative suffering game. Just acknowledge the other person's pain and say, I'm so sorry that that happened. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry that happened. That must be really hard. That's really what most people want when they're going through something difficult, especially yeah. if they don't really know you well, they don't really want to hear their you, story. Yeah. Your, yeah. Your pain or someone else they know who they think had it much worse. So you should feel grateful that it could have been worse. And yes. yeah, yeah. Um, not, not helpful for someone who's trying to, to heal and, and make sense of, of what you're going through. The intent, I suppose, is good, but yes. it's a good reminder, Rachel, for everyone, you know, when you, you are facing a challenge or, you know, you know, someone who's facing a really difficult challenge, just to be, the best thing you can do is just to be there yeah, and listen. They need hope. Uh, they need to know that they will be able to get through this. And so now that you are on the other side of your accident, although you are still healing, but you are now using your experience for others. Have you found yourself being contacted by people who have had their own version of their being hit by a truck on wanting to just share their story with you? Or how has that transformed maybe your sessions that you give? Yeah. I mean, some people will comment on things where they've, you know, had accidents happen and they'll share something with me about something that they went through just to say, oh, I know what that's like. I had to go through, you know, physical therapy. It was more of a relating thing as opposed to like, be grateful. It could be worse. I think there's a difference between, oh, wow. I don't know what your situation is like, but I had this thing that happened that was kind of similar. And I had a back injury. It was really helpful when people would share with me, oh, I had this back injury. Here's something that was helpful for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
that's useful. So, but first the acknowledgement is, is most helpful. And, and I found just in general, whether or not someone could relate to the exact story, they could all relate to the feeling. Mm-hmm. I find that everyone I've spoken with can relate to the feeling of being unsettled and, and knocked down and being disoriented and be in the midst of so much uncertainty and pain. And, and I think that's with our stories in general, what's most relatable is what are the themes in our stories that are universally human experiences? Like that's what people latch on to. And your response to, you know, Viktor Frankl, I'm going to botch the quote a bit, but it says, you know, between stimulus and response, there's a space and in that space lies our power and, you know, freedom to choose. That's a botched version of it, but the gist is there, you know, like we can choose in the midst of, I could be really angry and I was angry and it could be really sad. And I was sad. And anyone listening, if you're going through something difficult, one of the most important things you can give yourself is permission to feel what you're feeling, to not try to rationalize why you shouldn't feel a certain way or why you should be over whatever it is by now, or why it's, it's some character, you know, defect because you haven't, risen up with this strength that you think you should have. I think so much of this, it's important to give ourselves permission to feel, to be angry, to be disappointed, to be sad, and then to not stay stuck in that. I think people get stuck a lot of times because they're trying to dismiss all of those feelings and just tell themselves to get over it and move on. And if you're trying to get over something that was traumatic, that is really trying to take you through a grief cycle and you're trying to bypass these stages and just get on to get over it and move on, you're going to end up having some residual impact that's likely going to be negative. And so I would just encourage anyone listening to, to give yourself the space to feel what it is that you feel, to cry when you need to cry, process that however it is, whether it's through creativity. For me, singing was one of the only things I could do that was a form of release that I had left because my physical activity, as I knew it was basically gone and the ability to socialize with people because of COVID was gone and I'm an extrovert. So that's hard. So I had to find something else to be a source of, of life for me. And so for me, that's singing is one of those things for me. And so I started singing more in the workshops that I did, almost every workshop I'd sing, or I'd get on LinkedIn and I'd, mm-hmm. I'd share a video about a tough day that I had. I'd say, today's a tough day. And you may be going through that too, just to normalize it. Cause when you're viewed as like a positive person, especially in this well-being space, there's a perception that you're out of touch with reality. It was really important to me to not just share when I had milestones in physical therapy, where I could move a certain way. It was also important for me to share, not to like garner sympathy and get a bunch of people to feel sorry for me, but I felt that it was important to share. Today was a tough day and I wanted this to happen and it just didn't happen. And it didn't happen. And some of you may be feeling that way. You want certain things to be happening right now and they're not. And give yourself a little bit of grace. So it was an opportunity for me to give a message of grace, which I think we all need too. And I think hidden within your comments just now is the fact that everybody is on their own timeline, you know, just because you, which I think is completely amazing, <laughs> were able to think on the day that the accident happened that you were going to be able to use this in some positive way to already have that thought pass through your mind at that stage. <laughs> um, it's pretty incredible, but that may not be and likely won't be the case for many other people who have just experienced a very challenging or traumatic event. Um, It may be a while before you're able to process the idea that maybe I can use what has happened to me in a useful, positive way, in a way that I wouldn't have done 
if I hadn't had this experience. I think for a lot of us who have experienced a, a lemon, we eventually come around to the uh, question, why this happened to me? I mean, you know, I understand why it, the circumstances led up to it happening to me, but why me mm-hmm. and what can I do to make it more bearable that it's part of my story? That may not happen for a while, but it can happen if, if you're looking for it once you're able to open your eyes to it. Yeah. And to your point, I appreciate what you shared about the timeline because I'm really one of the phrases I encourage people to think about is I, you know, I encourage people to give permission to your process. And so your process is going to look different than somebody else's process. And just because somebody else who went through something similar seems like they're doing okay, doesn't mean there's something fundamentally wrong with you if it's taking Mm -hmm. you longer. Mm -hmm. Um, Not at all. You know, we, you don't also, that's all you see about that person on the surface. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Right. You have, (laughs) you have no idea. And So I appreciate that perspective because essentially what you're speaking about is what's called the sixth stage of grief. David Kessler says the sixth stage of grief is meaning-making and meaning-making is, is for me, one of the things, one of the things that's really important to me is having a sense of agency. So the sense that I can make decisions that influence the future out current and future outcomes of, of my life. And when we're stuck in victim mode, we have like no sense of agency. Everything is happening to us. Everything is happening to us. We have no control. We have no ability to influence. And I choose to not stay in a place of victimhood in, in general in my life. It's a choice. It's, it, it can be easier sometimes to do it because it's more familiar to stay in that place of woe is me, end of the world. This will give me sympathy, mm-hmm. but it might also keep you stuck. And so that's why I think it's important to give ourselves the opportunity to acknowledge the sadness and the anger that comes with any grieving process. And as we do that, as we give all of these emotions expression and a voice, it's easier for us to start to make sense of them. And it might not be years, depending on what you're dealing with, that you're able to make meaning of it. It may not happen in a matter of weeks or months. It may take a long time. And so what I would encourage folks to think about is there's a, um, concept that I, I teach about that I first learned in Kelly McGonigal's book, The Upside of Stress called um, post-traumatic growth. And post-traumatic growth is really this positive change that happens on the other side of a trauma. So it's kind of a transformation that follows trauma. And it might look like um, a new possibility that's emerged in your life, uh, personal strength, uh, closer relationships, spiritual growth. But those are some that I think encourage people to think about is what are the forms of post-traumatic growth that perhaps you've experienced some type of redemptive quality as a result of your experience that you can look at, well, you know, I actually grew in this way that was perhaps unexpected um, in terms of, again, having spiritual change or having a sense of new possibility or having a sense of personal growth or having closer relationships. What is possible now in terms of a perspective that wasn't before. And so that's a way that we can sort of start to move toward that meaning-making place is to start to look at, well, what, what has been something that has come out of this experience that perhaps I wish I could still wish this thing never happened. But if I want to move myself out of a victimhood state, what growth can I, even, even if it's a glimmer of that growth, can I see in the midst of my life right now? Right. 
And we call that the spark here on that on the podcast. The spark from the lemon is that that growth. And it may translate into writing a book or starting a new business or joining a cause. It it could translate into all sorts of different things. Or maybe it's just being a different person, you know, maybe more empathetic, maybe more understanding or sensitive and than you were before. And and that's important too. We don't, as you said, we don't ever wish anyone lemons. We don't (laughs) ever want to repeat lemons. They're not fun, but they can serve a a purpose and Mm -hmm. they can lead us in directions that in hindsight are better for us. Yeah. Like even Robin Roberts, I remember hearing her say years ago, to make your mess, your message. And I've, that's what I've consistently done along my journey, whether it's dealing with malnourishment and having to figure out how to address that or chronic ear, nose and throat infections and, and chronic acid reflux. And how do I heal from that and dealing with burnout and how do I heal from that? And being in a corporate career for 13 years and then leaving to start my own venture. What is that journey? Like, so it's, it's really, I have this posture and this mindset around choosing to make meaning out of the difficult things that happen. And I think it's courageous. I think it's courageous to do that. It's easier to stay stuck in a place yes. of feeling sorry for ourselves. Again, that may be part of your path, but it's a choice to stay stuck there. It may need, if you feel like you're stuck there, it may be helpful to, to contact a therapist. It may be helpful to reach out to a friend or a loved one or somebody that you can be honest with about what you're feeling to get some perspective or to get the support that you need if you're really kind of entrenched in your own sense of victimhood. But ultimately, there are people we've all seen that have gone through just incredible, incredibly difficult circumstances. And that was helpful. It was helpful for me to see stories of people rising up. So Bethany Hamilton, the surfer at her arm bitten off, or Alex Smith, the quarterback whose leg snapped, or this guy, Chris Norton, who was a you know football player in college and had a, a paralyzing injury that he's paralyzed from pretty much the waist down and still has some paralysis neck down too. And, and for me, it was helpful to see the fortitude and the perseverance and the hope of those people and their stories. I'm like, well, I still have all my appendages. You know, I still, it starts to give you perspective of like, you can choose to do the comparative suffering thing yourself, yeah. <laughs> but to have somebody else in for, for, you know, put that on you, that's when it doesn't work. But if you can start to get perspective in somebody else's situation to be like, you know what, I'm actually, I'm going to be okay. Like yes. this sucks. <laughs> but at least I'm still intact. Um, and, and, you know, so, so I I think those can be some helpful steps to take really quickly. What let's just, if you don't mind talking about when you started unmuted Mm -hmm. back in 2019, was that you had said you were in corporate wellness for what 13 years and then decided to move out onto your own. And that is definitely courageous. Can you talk a little bit about what might've prompted you to make such a big leap? Yeah. Well, I wanted to leave in 2012. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I had thoughts of leaving in 2012. I went to grad school and I was like, I'm going to become a health coach and then I'm going to do this thing and go out on my own. And, but I was, one thing I was really clear on is I was running from the things I didn't like about where I was, but I wasn't, I didn't have a clear direction of where I was running to. And fortunately I stayed because then the Walcoa recognition Mm -hmm. followed a couple of years later and I helped create an award-winning nationally recognized wellness program at our company, started to get more opportunities to speak locally, regionally, then nationally. And it was nice to have a safety net of 
salary, a consistent salary and opportunities to experiment with basically somebody else bearing the risk. But eventually what started to happen, it was a progression really over those seven years, I would say. I'd say the the biggest catalyst for me was I started to realize how much I, I just loved speaking. And that was my favorite thing. I didn't want to do anything else. I didn't want to have to do some of these other things like that I didn't believe in, frankly. I, I didn't want to have to just, I, I'm a naturally a bit of a challenger and a contrarian. And I, I couldn't, from an integrity standpoint, continue to do things that I didn't believe in. And I loved speaking. And I started to notice people were contacting me to, like directly to speak. And they were like, oh, wait, where do you, where do you work? It was incidental to them where I worked. And I was like, wait a second, maybe if I can get an, maybe there's like enough of these people would actually just pay me to come and do stuff. And then my final catalyst was I went through a program called Heroic Public Speaking in 2018, 2019 which is a professional speaker training program mm-hmm. after meeting actually a guy named Clay, Abair at the Walcoa conference in 2018 in San Diego, we were hanging out at a bar and he was there and somebody said, he's a speaker. And I was like, well, that's my path. I'm going down. Might as well talk to him. And he suggested a book called steal the show by a guy named Michael Port. I took that path as far as it would go and ended up in Philadelphia a couple months later at a live event and then signed my life away <laughs> for this program. And to be in community with 80 other speakers that were on fire to do this work was something that started to transform me and made me realize, oh my gosh, if they're doing it, I can totally do this. I can totally do this. And then the weekend the program ended, we were doing like a a, a video that was being shot. And one of the lines that I said in the video is like, you know, have to embrace, step up and, and embrace all that we are. And like, we have to unmute ourselves and, and, and be bold. And I was like, you cannot believe yourself saying those words, Rachel, if you have not left. And so I told them two days before I told them I was leaving. So May 30th, I was like, I'll be leaving September 1st. So I gave three months notice, you know, I, I still do some work with my former employer. So it's, it's really nice to have good relationships with people and to, and to, uh, maintain your integrity in that way, because it's led to a, you know, an ongoing relationship, which has been great, but also the freedom. Now I can work with whoever I want and do whatever I want. And I run the show and I call the shots and uh, it's so freeing and I really love it. (laughs) It is. And for anyone who hasn't tried entrepreneurship and being out on their own, yes, it's scary. Very scary. It can be scary, but it's also very rewarding. Well, this has been just a delight as usual. Uh, and I'm so glad that you were able to share your story, Rachel, with the audience and your words of inspiration and wisdom. To remind everyone, how can they learn more about you? Where can they go? Yeah. So um, one, you can check me out on my website, unmutedlife.com. And so I've got podcast episodes and blog posts and other information about the the work that I do on there and with groups. Very active on LinkedIn. My most active platform is LinkedIn. So you can just search Rachel Druckenmiller. I post videos every week and sometimes I sing on there and other content like what we talked about today, just to give perspective and hope and resilience and help you with shifting mindset around some of these things where you can get stuck. And then I'm on Instagram at unmuted life. And then I dabble in Clubhouse, but I've sort of not been on there for about a month because it's a, been a bit of a time suck, but I'm oh, at- it is. <laughs> We've talked about Clubhouse on this podcast too. And yeah, yeah, you can easily just, and I know people who spend, that's all they do. I know. <laughs> <Clubhouse. That's it. laughs> 
Well, great. So any of those social media platforms or unmutedlife.com is your website. And you're going to have to write a book, Rachel. I think that's next on your list. It's coming. A TEDx. A a TEDx in the next year. There will be a TEDx in the next year. Oh, wow. Well, let us know when when that's out. And I'll make sure I send the link. So thank you again. And I hope you continue to, I know you will continue to inspire and give hope to all that cross your path. Thanks, Barbara. Great being here with you today. And I hope that everyone who listens to this feels a bit more inspired and, and sparked in a positive way. Thank you for listening to the Lemon Spark podcast. If you have a Lemon Spark story to share or know someone who does, please message us on Facebook and be sure to like our page. And remember, it's not the lemon that defines you. It's the spark.